So Moses goes walking through the desert, finding his way, and he sees a burning bush. Now, if you've been in church before, you probably have heard about the burning bush that Moses encountered. If not, welcome to Better Life Church. There was a burning bush in the middle of the desert, and Moses walks right up to the bush because the bush begins to talk to him. Now, I know you may find that strange, but our God does some crazy, amazing, strange things to get our attention. And he begins to speak to Moses, and he says, Moses, I saw my people in Egypt. I see the bondage. It's time to go let my people go. Go get my people, right? You remember the song? You've been to Sunday school. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, what? Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. Okay, five of you went to Sunday school. That's awesome. We're glad that you're here though this morning, right? Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. But Moses says, when I go back there, they're going to ask me what God you are. There's tons of Elohims. There are tons of gods, but what's your name? And he says, I am who I am. I am who I am, which is I am the great I am. We say that today as Yahweh. He said, my name is Yahweh. So go back to Egypt, go back to Pharaoh and tell them that Yahweh said, let my people go. And so if you know the story, right, it goes to Pharaoh. And we talked about this the last couple of weeks. It goes to Pharaoh. And if you watch the movie, The Mummy, all the 10 plagues happen, right? There's locusts, there's crazy things happen. The water turns to blood. It's kind of sick, disgusting. And all these crazy things happen. Finally, Pharaoh lets the people go. They go to the Red Sea. They cross the Red Sea on dry ground and they celebrate because the Lord had delivered them from the Egyptians. Remember, we talked about this last week, a month into this mission of Moses relocating 2 million people. Can you imagine that? 2 million people relocated out in the desert. And once they got to that place, they began to murmur because they were hungry, right? You know what I'm talking about. They weren't hungry, they were hangry. And they were saying, we need a new leader. We need to find somebody else to take us. Moses brought us out here to die. We should, now watch this. This is an amazing statement. We should have stayed in bondage. They said that we should have stayed in darkness because at least we had our bellies full. At least we could get something to eat. Remember, we had all the bread we wanted. We had all the food we wanted. Even though we were in slavery, we still had all the food that we needed. As Moses, you brought us out here to die and they grumble. And then remember the miraculous thing that God did. He said, I heard the people's cry and he rains down manna from heaven. And he brings down the bread from heaven. He raised down manna from heaven to feed the Israelites. Watch this. Not one year, not two years, not even 10 years, but 40 years he rains down bread from heaven. And then we learned last week that Jesus now comes on the scene. And what does he tell the people? He says, I am the bread of life. I am the manna that comes from heaven. Moses didn't provide fruit for you. God did. And now God sends me to give you this bread that will save you, sustain you, secure you for the rest of your life. I am the bread of life. And at the moment, the Israelites would have connected Jesus to the manna, Jesus to the miracle. He says, I am the bread of life. That was the first one that we talked about today, last week. And today, as we continue the series, we're going to talk about what happens next. Just some time after the manna had fell from heaven, God decided he wanted to dwell with his people. He wanted to come down and tabernacle amongst his people, the Bible tells us. So what does God do? God is a very detailed God. He has orchestrated this to a fire. He is just amazing and detailed. Some of you love details. God is so detailed. I mean, think about our universe. Think about what God has done here. Think about how our, just our earth, just our planet is positioned. Just if we was, maybe I think it was one degrees closer to the sun, we would burn up and one degrees away from the sun, we would freeze to death. But God has allowed this and orchestrated this and all of his sovereignty says, I want to come and I want to live with my people. But the problem is I'm holy and you're sinful. And you can't be so close to me because you will die. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to build a temple. I want you to build a tabernacle. 
And here's the size of it. I want the dimensions to be this. I want the curtains to be this. He's a great interior decorator, by the way. I want the curtains to be this size. I want, this is where you put the rings. This is the thread. In fact, this is how I want the priest when they come into the temple. Here's how I want them to dress. They will wear this, this, and this. I want the basin here. I want an altar here. I want incense here. I want candles here because they go with the drapes. I want all this to be exactly how I want it. And then on the outside, I want it to look like this. And you can read all the way through this. They begin to build God a temple, a place where he can come and dwell amongst his people. And so after they got the temple built, after they got the tabernacle built, after everything was in place, God does something miraculous. And I want you to see this. I want you to see what happens. It's in Exodus chapter 40. I want you to watch this. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God says, here's my home. This is my place. I now have tabernacled amongst my people. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud, that's God's presence, had settled down over and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out for the journey. Why? Because they followed it. Everybody say, follow the cloud. They followed the cloud. So what's this? The cloud hovered over it. And once the cloud moved, it moved. If the cloud moved in one day, it moved the next day. If the cloud moved in five hours, they break the temple down and they build back the temple wherever the cloud stopped. Sometimes the cloud moved in a week. Sometimes it took a year. Sometimes it stayed there for a very long time. But when the cloud lifted and began to move, they would pack all their belongings. They would break down the portable church and they would put it all in a bag and they put it in their donkeys and they would follow the cloud until the cloud stopped again. When the cloud stopped, they would set the temple up. They all would back up and the cloud would descend right on the tabernacle so God would be with his people. Verse 36, now whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their journey following it. Everybody say, follow the cloud. But if, they could, if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day, and watch this, and at night, fire. Fire glowed inside the cloud so the whole family of Israel could see it. This continued for 40 years throughout their entire journey. Now, you're talking about being a portable church. You're talking about setting up, reloading two million people. We were portable here at Better Life Church for nine and a half years before God gave us this facility. Nine and a half years of setting up and tearing down, setting up and tearing down, setting up and tearing every single week. And so they roamed the desert following a cloud that had this beautiful, unbelievable fire within it. And this was the fire of God, the Shekinah glory, the old preachers would say. This was the glory of God that filled the tabernacle, that gave all light at night so every two million plus people could see. Now, how bright does that light have to be for two million people to see? Like this was a very bright light. So all the Israelites in the desert was protected by the fire. They were protected by God. This was his presence. Now time has passed. God brings them and shows them the promised land and you know where we're going to go flowing with milk and honey. We talked all about that. And God said, I want you to do something. I want you to never forget where you've come from. I want you to remember how I provided for you with manna. I want you to remember that I was the cloud at day and I was the fire at night. That I was this great light that protected you and brought you to the land. 
overflowing with milk and honey. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to once a year to go out of your homes and build tents and live in these tents for seven days. Now, listen, we see this in Leviticus 23. He says this, for seven days, you must live outside in little shelters. Now, this is what has become at this time the Feast of Tabernacles, or maybe some call it the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Shelters, temporary dwellings. And so what would happen is the Israelites will leave their homes. They would go and makeshift these little portable tents out of fig trees and palm branches and stuff. And they would go and eat there and they would live in these little huts for seven days saying, God, thank you for how you have provided and protected us through the wilderness for 40 years. This is called the Feast of Tabernacles. And because of this verse in Leviticus, Orthodox practicing Jews, even to this day, follows. In fact, right now, we are in this festival from September the 20th to September the 27th. Sukkot, if you would say, if you're an American, Sukkot is what is being taken place right now all of all of Israel. Today in Jerusalem, there are huts and houses all over Jerusalem today. In fact, people would leave out of their homes. They sometimes won't stay all night in them, but they'll go and eat in them. And, the, and it's very clear that when you build this, the palm branches has to be scattered on top so you can see the moonlight and the stars through it to remind you that you watched as God provided and took care of you. In fact, I have a picture of today, right now, modern day. This is happening right now in Jerusalem. This is a picture of Sukkot taking place. This would be a tabernacle, a tent being built in modern day. As we speak right now, all over Israel, Sukkot is being taken place. Why? Because God said in Leviticus, for all generations to come, my people will remember what I did for them. This is thousands of years ago, and they're still walking this out today to remember that this is the Feast of Tabernacles. So we're going to get in a tabernacle, a small one, and we're going to feast, and we're going to remind ourselves how the great Yahweh, the great I Am, provided for us for 40 years in the wilderness and brought us into the land flowing with milk and honey. Now, with that said, go with me to John chapter 8. And John chapter eight, and while you're turning there, we want to say welcome to Better Life Church. We're so glad you're here. We want to welcome everybody watching online at our Gracing campus. We are one church, two locations. Thank you for joining us today. I'm really excited about today for multiple reasons. One, I'm excited about this, this story here as we connect. But two, I'm excited because I get to baptize my daughter today, man. I'm stoked about that one, man. I am really, and she's all excited about it too. So uh, I'm just really excited about it. So sorry, sorry, dad moment there. All right, John chapter eight. And John 7, watch this, the Feast of Tabernacles begins. It's very important. Jesus is in the Feast of Tabernacles. Now the seven days has now begun, just like we are today, all over Israel today. And Jews all over the world today who will go out, Orthodox practices, who will go out and they will build their tabernacle. In fact, there's some Messianic Jews who still follow Jesus who are Jews who would do this and just say, God, thank you, Yahweh, that you have protected us. It's happening right now, John chapter 7. Some amazing things take place. I don't have time to jump into it. We talks about the living water and how Moses poured out the water, struck the rock and water came out. I'm the water. It brings all this crazy stuff. It's really good. How it connects to what God did in the Old Testament. And so here's the Feast of Tabernacles are taking place. So you know what that means. Everyone all over Israel are living in tents. 
Everyone all over Israel are, 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 are living in these huts, feeding and feasting, looking at the sky through the palm trees at night going, God, you are the one who provides. So what would take place is they built these seven massive pillars in the middle of the, of the uh, uh, Jerusalem is in the middle there, the temple court where the women's court is. They built these seven massive pillars that were 75 feet tall, 75 feet tall. Now, I don't know exactly what location you're probably watching online or at Grace, but here in this facility, I don't know, this is maybe what, 35 feet tall. So if you see the roof here, 75 foot tall. And on top of these four pillars were these massive candles. And these people and these guys would shimmy up this massive pillar. They would light the candle at night, all four of them, and they would come back down and then the priest will lead in a song and dancing to celebrate the great fire, the great light that provided and protected the Israelites for 40 years and for 40 nights. And the Bible wants us to know that everyone over Israel can see these four candles, these massive candles, torches burning at nighttime where a city on a hill shines its light for everyone to see. And so at night, these big bright candles lit up the town. And so they would dance and they would sing and they would feast and they would remember and how God provided and took care of them by this great massive pillar of fire at night. And now we pick up in John chapter eight and this is crazy. This is what I wanna see where, where Jesus, he understands the text because <clears throat> he's the author of the text. And he understands the text, he knows it all. He knew the exact perfect timing and he makes this unbelievable declaration. See, people always say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Oh my gosh. He claimed to be God all the way through, all the way through the gospels. He claimed to be God. Now, once you see this in John chapter eight, in the midst of the, the, of the, of the, feast, the, the feast of the tabernacles, there's a little section there with this woman. She was caught in adultery. We're going to overlook that part right there for a moment and because what's about to take place. And right on the heels of that, Jesus makes this crazy, audacious statement. I wish I had the exact timing. I wish I could tell you the timing. Maybe it's why they were shimmying up the, 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 the pole to light it. Maybe it's they just blew it out and they were coming down. It was morning time. But here's why I want you to see what Jesus, I believe he was next to it. I can't tell you when he was there, but, and listen to what he says would have floored you if you were there living at this time. And John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and look what he says. I am the light of the world. Right in the midst of lighting these massive pillars. Whoever will follow me. Look what it says. I am the light of the world. If you follow me. Everybody say follow the cloud. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness. Because you will have the light that leads to life. And then he sits down. Could you imagine could you, now, now we say Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. You're like, yes, he's a light. He's a good light. And I'm glad he's a light. And I'm glad he's, he's no darkness in him. But when you put this in context and you know what they're celebrating at the Feast of Tabernacle abuse or shelter, and you know that at this moment they're about to light these pillars or they just light these pillars. And then Jesus stands up and declares, I am the light. You would have been like, did he say what I think he said? Did he just declare to be the Shekinah glory? 
the pillar of fire? Did he just declare himself to be the cloud that hovered over the tabernacle? As John tells us in John chapter one, that he was in the beginning and was the beginning and he came and tabernacled in his flesh among his people. Has God now tabernacled himself in Jesus? Is his presence now with us? Do you see how your mind will be like, you are the cloud? You are the light? You are the one who protected us? I am the light of the world. This is the second great I am that John in his discourse as he's writing through the book that we read today has built around this statement that I am the light. And so what I want to do is just look at this and break this down. This one verse, he says, I am the light. And when he said that, he just declared what? I am. Ego, ime. I am. He just said the name that God told Moses in the burning bush, I am. And then he just declared to be the Shekinah glory of God, the light. I am. I was the light. I am Yahweh. I was the one in the cloud. I was the one that led you and protect you and moved you. If you just follow me everywhere that I went and you followed after me, I am him. I am that one. I am the light. But listen to me. I'm not only the light, just of the Israelites. My father sent me to be the light of the world. No longer am I just a cloud for all Israel to see. I am the cloud. I am the light for all Samaritans whom which you hate. All the Gentiles who you don't know. I have come to be the light of the world, of every tongue, of every tribe, of every nation. That's me. Now, could you imagine? As a little boy, little girl, you've been raised up your whole life practicing and going to the Feast of Tabernacles and your mom and dad would sit around and say, let me tell you what happened to our ancestors. They were, they were in the desert, but there's this cloud and there's a ball of fire and the fire not protected them and, and cloud by day protected the sun from scorching them and provided manna from heaven. Oh man, wouldn't it be amazing? So that's why, Johnny, we do this. That's why, Sarah, we do this. We come out here in a tent and we live here and it's fun because you want to go camping anyway. And so it's fun. And this is to remind us how good God is. And you're standing there next thing you know, the God says, hey, I was that cloud. And you're like, mom, dad, is that true? Could this be the one? He says, I am the light, but I am the light of the world. And then he makes this statement. He says, if, if, you know what if is? If is a condition and if is a choice. You have a choice to follow the light. You have a choice to follow Jesus. It is your choice, 100%. It is your choice to walk in light. It is your choice to walk in darkness. It's your choice. The Israelites didn't have to. They could have scattered and said, I think I can make it on my own. Come on, we're going to branch off from Moses. Some people have tried that. Said, so we're going to do our own thing. We're going to go our own way. We're going to listen to the cloud. We're not going to listen to the light. We're not going to listen to what God has to say. And there was consequences for that. You have a choice. You get to choose if you follow the light or you walk in darkness. It is 100% your choice. And he says, if you follow me. Now, my question to you this morning is, are you following the light? Are you following Jesus? Are you following after the world? 
Are you following after darkness? It is your choice. You are as close to God as you choose to be. And if you want to rebel and walk away and walk in darkness, that is your choice. If you want to be close to Jesus and walk in light, that is your choice. If you follow me, I will lead you out of darkness. So he says, then you won't have to walk in darkness. And when the Bible talks about darkness, it was always reference of unpreparedness, unwatchfulness, evil, sin, ignorance. They walk in darkness because they're ignorant of the light. They walk in darkness because they're blinded from the light. They can not see. Isn't it Amazing that right after Jesus makes this statement in John chapter nine, there's a person who is blind. He makes these kind of like mud pies and he heals the man so he can see. And he says, I am the light. And then why the light is still here with you, you can see. I am the light. The light is the one that opens up eyes to see. And listen, I believe God has brought you here no matter of what spiritual darkness you may walk into or if you're in the light, I believe God has brought you here to open up your eyes so that you could see. Whether you're watching online or in person, he is here to open your eyes so that you can see. That's what the light does. It allows you to see. And he wants you to see, not physically, but spiritually. There's some of you here, physically you're here, but you're walking in spiritual darkness. I'm glad you're here. You keep coming. But listen to me. That is your choice to continue to walk in bondage to that addiction, to continue to walk in bondage or walk in the darkness that you walk in or whatever that you're facing. And I don't know what goes on in your heart and your mind, but that is your choice. You could choose to walk in light and not in darkness. You won't have to walk in darkness anymore, he says, because if you follow Jesus, you'll walk in the light. And if you don't, listen to me, listen to me. If you're not following Jesus, you're already in darkness. And you walk in darkness and you live in darkness. You might say, but I'm happy. Everything's great. Spiritually. Spiritually, you are walking in darkness. And he says, because if you do this, and here's the condition. If you, then here's the blessing. If, here's the condition. If you'll do this, here's what I'm gonna do for you. He says, because you will have the light that leads to life. I love this. Jesus is the light. You will have the light that leads to life. Jesus says this, if you'll walk in light, guess what you get? Guess what you get if you walk in light? Me. The cloud has now tabernacled amongst his people. And if you'll walk and follow me, you get me. Let's now fast forward today on this side of the cross. When you repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus, guess what you get? Me. Now you become the temple of God. My spirit will come and no cloud anymore, but the spirit of God now dwells within you to what? Convict you, convince you, to teach you, to counsel you, to what? To walk in light and not in darkness anymore. God now has tabernacle not only amongst his people, but now in his people. That's why I say every Sunday, listen, I say this all the time. You don't go to church. You bring the church to this building. Because we are the people. We're the temple of God now. He doesn't need the tabernacle. He dwells within us. And therefore, I don't have to walk in darkness anymore. Because the Shekinah glory now lives within his children. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, you will have light If you just follow after Jesus, what are some things light do? I was thinking about this, praying through this. Here's some things that light does. One, light pushes the darkness away. 
Light pushes the darkness away. Have you ever been in like, there's, there's, you're, you're in a room that's lit up and it might be dark outside and you open the door and you open the door. Has darkness ever expelled and pushed back the light? <laughs> Have you ever seen that before? No, the opposite. Light expels and pushes back the darkness. Listen to me. When I begin to walk in the light, the little darkness areas in my life, the Holy Spirit now begins to point those things out to me, to refine me, to sanctify me, to make me more like Jesus. When I walk in the light and I think something I shouldn't think or I say something I shouldn't say or I do something I shouldn't do and I got that conviction like, oh my. You know what? That is the light exposing the dark side over here. Why? So you can bring it to the light, expose it to be healed of it. Listen to me. When you walk in light, light exposes and it will push back the darkness in your life. Also, we know that light reveals Light shows if you have a dark hardwood floor, you know what I'm talking about. You just let a little bit of light come in and there's dust you can see everywhere. Why? You don't see it until the light comes on. Why? Because the light reveals things. Just like the light will reveal, what's this? God's will for your life. The light will reveal what step you take next. That's another thing about light. Light will direct you. The Bible says that the word of God is the lamp into our feet, which will guide us. I don't have enough light. Maybe it's y'all at the end of the tunnel, but I have enough light in front of me to go, this is the next step. I should apply for that job. I should try to go to that school. I should take a shower and ask her out, right? I mean, it, it, it will show me like I need to, it will, this is the step to take for your life. That's what light does. And you have a choice to walk in that light or walk in the darkness, so Jesus stands and says, if you will follow the cloud, the light, the Shekinah glory is amongst you, I will lead you to a life that leads to this amazing life. John 10, 10 says, abundant life, a full life, a better life than you ever dreamed of. And what is this life? It's eternal life. See, they all died in the desert and you will die physically. But if you'll follow after me, you will not die spiritually. Why? Because I am the light that leads to life and I am the light of the world. Isaiah talks about this in Isaiah 9. It says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And for those who live in a land of darkness, the light will shine. He's talking about when Jesus comes. And we know that, right? Remember the Mount Transfiguration? And all of a sudden, all this glory showed and Peter, James, and John couldn't even look at Jesus because of the radiance of his light, of who he is. You remember when he was Paul on the road to Damascus and Jesus appeared to him and he fell off his donkey, couldn't even look at him. He was blinded for three days because the glory and the brightness if you go and read Revelations in 21 and follow, it talks about when the new Jerusalem and the new heavens come, that there will be no moon, there will be no sun because the radiance of the Son of God and the glory of God, watch this, will fill the heaven. He is the light. And he just declared it at the Feast of Tabernacles. And you wonder why the religious people can't stand him because he does claim to be God. He is the light. So, John 12, 36. I'm gonna close with these verses. This is what John will tell you. So if you're reading this, coming off Exodus, Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus says, I am the light. And now you were experienced this and you watched this and you were with this. Now, what would you tell people like us today? John tells us in John 12, 36. Put your trust 
in the light. Why? Why there's still time. Because there's going to come a day it's too late. Then you will become children of light, not of darkness anymore. You'll become, the, you'll become the child of God. Now watch this. The glory of God will radiate through you. John 12, 46, 10 verses on down. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in dark. Listen to me. If you're here today, you no longer have to remain in dark at all anymore. The light will come into your life. And get rid of all the sin in your life. I love what Psalm 27 says. The Lord is my light. He's my salvation. So why should I be afraid? He is my light. And then last verse, 1 John. This is John writing again. Chapter 1, verse 6. We are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on and living in spiritual darkness and not practice the truth. Now, I'm going to stop right there because a lot of times, this is where a lot of people, sometimes they won't come to church anymore. They say, well, I go to church as a bunch of hypocrites. They say they follow Jesus, but I know how they live. They talk just like lost people. They do the same thing lost people do. They act like lost people. I'm around them all the time. So they say they know the truth, but they don't practice the truth. And John says, you're a liar and you've got the wrong belief. If you say you believe in Jesus and it's never changed your life, you have the wrong belief. Even the demons believe. The devil believes. So if you say you believe in Jesus and it's never changed your life, you have the wrong belief. So John says, if you walk around in spiritual darkness, but you tell people that you're not, you're a liar. So you better get this right. Verse seven. But if we are living in the light, As God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. That's one evidence of the body. That's why it's so important that we don't stop meeting together. We're together as a family. The Bible says, as the days come for Jesus is returning, we should be meeting more together, not less together. We should meet together. Why? Because the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us. From all, everybody say all, all sin. Listen to me, no matter who you are today, where you come from, what you tried, what your background is, the light has exposed this place in your heart that realize, you know what? I'm in darkness. And here's what the light does. Not only does it show you, but it will guide you, but this light will forgive you of all your sin. Your past, the ones you did today on the way to church, and the ones you'll do for the rest of your life. But that's not fair. That's called grace. And if you'll receive the light, you no longer have to walk in darkness. I'm gonna ask if you would bow your heads. You know what's fascinating? Is that Jesus goes on in Matthew 5, verse 14, and he looks at the people and says, guess what? If you receive this light, you have this light. He says, you are now the light of the world. And the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see 
so that when people see the light in your life, the Bible says they will praise your heavenly Father. So as children of God, as the light comes and live within us, we are now to show the world the light of Jesus through our deeds, through our actions, through what we say. And I'm telling you what, listen to me, listen to me, Better Life Church. If the thousand plus people who call this place their home church all over this region and watching online would walk in the light and live in the light and the world would see our light, we can change the world. So maybe you're here and you realize that the light has shone in your heart and you're ready to give your life to Jesus. He's drawing you to himself. Follow him. Saying a prayer won't save you, but your heart, if it declares it, your lips can proclaim it. And so right where you are, no matter if you're online or in person, you should cry out to God and say, God, I believe. I believe you are the light of the world. And I believe you did come and tabernacle amongst us and you sent your son. And I do believe he died on the cross. And I do believe he got up on the third day. And as best as I know how, I put all my faith and trust in you. Now please forgive me of my sin and help me follow the light for the rest of my life. If that's you, whether you're on Facebook, online right now, let us know in the chat, in the comment. If you're at one of our locations, please go to our next step area. We wanna give you some resources and help you follow the cloud, follow the light, follow Jesus. Because that is why we exist as a church. Father, thank you that you tabernacled amongst your people and that you sent your son who died for us. And now, Father, you send your spirit to live with inside of us, to guide us, direct us, who is our light in such a dark world. So, Father, we thank you in advance for the people you saved today and the people who will continue. We thank you for everyone being baptized today here at our Maury campus after the second service. And we pray, Lord, that light will continue to shine from this mountain into this region. For we love you, Jesus. For it's your name we ask and we pray. Amen.